This morning I want to read a very uh, popular passage from John chapter 15. So let's read from John 15, uh, the first few verses. And I want to share with you this uh, wonderful truth that Jesus has has spoken about um, him being the vine and us being the branches. And what does that actually mean for us? That we would actually understand that Jesus is this thing called a vine and that he wants us to be this thing called the branch. And what does that mean for us today? Because it's a very powerful passage that reflects to us our very purpose and our existence, the very reason for our existence on this earth. And so I want to read just a a few verses from John 15 in the New Testament. Jesus is speaking here, and I just want to just go through to about verse 8 this morning. So chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, and my father, well, he's the vine dresser. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the Father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You're already clean, he says, because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Incredible passage here, wonderful passage. Jesus is trying to talk to us a little bit about, helping us to understand a little bit about what he means, that he's actually a vine, we're the actual branches, and then what he wants us to do. And every single person in this room has a responsibility to come and understand what is it that Jesus is actually saying to me. Either you will accept it or you'll reject it. That's fine. But at least you understand what Jesus, well, it's not fine, but, but that's your choice. But so Jesus, at least, as long as you uh, understand and it's communicated to you what he's trying to say. I think most people in this room, would be fair to say that most people in this room, as you get up every day and you go to work or you do other responsibilities and you go to bed at night and you come to church on a Sunday or you do the things that you do from day to day, I think most people in this room, would be fair to say, want to live with some kind of exist or some kind of meaning or some kind of purpose to life. I think most people in this room don't want to just go through life thinking to themselves, well, I'm just kind of doing stuff as I ought to do. And I look back and think, well, what's the meaning for it? Well, there's no real meaning to it. I think most people love to be able to look back and say, you know, there's something meaningful to what I'm doing. There's something that has purpose to what I'm doing. That makes sense. I think we exist like that. And the older we get, we sort of start to think more and more about what is it that we're doing and why are we that we're here and existing the way we do? So people get involved in different things, whether it's the work that they do or the career path that they take or, or some kind of volunteer work that they do. They get involved in different things because they want to have some kind of meaning to their existence. And so much so that when you do these things, sometimes you might actually, there might even be someone in this room, who they start to ponder what they are actually doing. And so you ponder and you may start to worry, 
am I doing maybe too much? Or you may start to worry, am I doing maybe not enough? Or you start to worry, you think, am I doing good enough that actually would have this kind of meaning or purpose to who I am and to my existence? And so people do this and they start to perhaps want titles in life or try and climb the ladder of work and have certain positions so they can have a greater influence and a greater purpose and a greater say in how things happen. And so if I can get higher, then I can somehow have a greater influence in life. Let me tell you something this morning. Your greatest influence is not the ladder you climb. It's not the title you have. It's not who you become one day and thinking all about the one day and the future plan. But your greatest influence is simply who you are today. If you choose to abide. If you choose to abide in Christ. Therein, you will have the greatest influence you could ever have in your life today, if you choose to abide. And it's going to come with great blessings, and it's going to come at a great cost. But Jesus is calling his people to abide. He's calling his people to become his branches to him who is the vine. Imagine if you understand this, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know perfectly well the very reason for your existence, the very purpose to why you're here. And Jesus invites us all to come and know this. You can no longer have to worry and think one day, maybe, could it be? Today, he calls us to abide. And in abiding, you'll have the greatest influence and find the greatest purpose to why he put you on this earth. So you would come into this relationship with him and produce fruit, fruit that you could never have produced if you weren't with him. Let's look at what he says, verse 1. The first thing he says is this. He says, I am the true vine, and my father, well, he is the vine dresser. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Jesus is basically saying, you know what? It doesn't matter what you think. I am the true vine. Listen, he doesn't say, I am the preferred one. I am the better one. I'm the more likable one. He doesn't say these things. He says very boldly and very confidently, he says, you know me, Jesus Christ? He goes, I am the true vine. There's none other than me. If you want life and you want to understand life and you want to understand existence and the reason for existence, he says, I'm it. Don't go anywhere else. Stop searching, stop running, stop looking. You don't have to do it. I'm going to help you out and you can stop your search. I am the true vine. I'm not the preferred one. And he goes, because I'm the true vine, my father, the vine dresser, will put all his energy into making sure that this vine is taken care of. He's the vine dresser. He'll come around and check on it. He'll come around and prune it. He'll come around and feed it. He'll come around and look after it. Because from the father's perspective, this is the only vine that he needs to take care of. That's the only vine he needs to put energy into so it grows and nourishes the world. So you can imagine this. The father God is looking down and the vine is growing and he wants to take care of it and he's nourishing the vine and it's growing throughout the whole world. Nourishing the world. 
And the Father's dressing it, taking care of it, making sure that everything about it is what it has to be because it has to go into the whole world and feed it. Are you part of that? You're part of this vine that's, that the Father is investing into and Jesus declares to be the only true one that's going throughout the whole earth and feeding the earth what it needs to be fed. Because we have an earth today, we have a people today, we have a world today throughout the whole world that is absolutely broken and this vine is going into all parts of the world making sure that they are being fed what they need to be fed so they are healed and Jesus says, I'm it, I'm the true vine. And if you're connected, you're connected part of this vine that's growing and nourishing. And the Father is so interested that he only looks after this. He's the vine dresser. And then in verse 2 he says, "Um, And every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch in me that bears fruit he prunes, that he may bear more fruits. Everything about this, Everything about this passage is about making lots of fruits. Lots of fruit so that people can be fed and nourished. Lots of fruit so you can grow and become everything that God wanted you to be. So you can stop searching in life about all the things that you think are going to bring you meaning and bring you life and come back to Jesus who says, you know what, abide in me and in me you'll produce this fruit. Lots of it. Genuine fruits, not fake stuff. Remember back in the, I think in the 80s or 90s, what was more popular was the fruit that were plastic fruit. And you'd have them in the bowls on your table and they'd look really nice and then they got better at making them look even really, even more nice and more real. But you look at them and you grab them and did nothing for you. They were plastic. If you were hungry, it did nothing for you. If you felt like malnourished did nothing for you just good for the eyes and so Jesus isn't talking about some fake plastic fruit he's talking about fruit that is nourishing that will feed your soul that you become and that you're able to feed the world lots of it an abundance of fruit so that lots of people can be fed listen sometimes I have my I go at doing a veggie garden in my house and um, I do all right I think a couple of tomato plants Maybe a few cucumbers, you know. But my father-in-law, like I said to you before, he's got a, a real garden. Okay, He's got a real garden. And uh, I'm sure when he comes to my house sometimes and I'm having a go at the fruit, I'm sure he comes around and I'm sure he appreciates my effort. I'm sure he thinks to himself, it's a good try. But I reckon he looks at his garden and thinks to himself, now that's a garden though. Because... Your garden, and I don't think he does this in any, any crude way. I think he looks at my garden and thinks, it'll feed a few. Yeah? And then you look at his garden and you'll think, this will feed many. Okay? This will feed many. This is fruits. This is an abundance. This is, nourishes many souls. People from all, uh, all the whole earth, all countries, all nations, come and feed on the fruit that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to give. You become this fruit that grow, and in growing you nourish other souls. An abundance. Your meaning and your existence, you can stop searching for. Today, you have the greatest influence. And Jesus says, you know what my father wants to do? He wants to be able to, he wants to be able to bring an abundance, an abundance of this fruit. When we produce this kind of fruit, beloved, we are producing fruit that is healthy, nourishing, 
that's feeding this world, you know what we're doing? We're producing fruit that imitates both the character and the work of Jesus. Did you know that? Let me say that again for you, because it's really, really important. That when we're producing this kind of fruit, we are producing both the character and the work of Jesus. What people are seeing, they're seeing the way the Son of God lived and the way the sorts of things the Son of God did. That becomes your life. That becomes what feeds the lives of other people. That is the kind of fruit that the Father is producing in you. So when we say to ourselves, you know what, I'll I'll kind of live uh, a certain life, but it's not completely like the life of Jesus, or we live half half life, uh, you know, do this, but don't do that. I can do this, but I can't do that. We don't understand this passage because what Jesus is saying is this, you're going to produce fruit that is so nourishing because it's the fruit that I showed in my life. It's my life and it's my character. It's my work and it's my life. That is what's going to happen in you. That is the most nourishing fruit that can be produced. Life giving fruit to a world that is dying. Healing fruit to a world that is broken. Fruit that when someone tastes, they say, I want more of. Do you like grapes? I like grapes. Anyone, ever anyone tried eating just a few grapes that are really nice when they're hungry? Just one or two? Is that enough? No. Need more. Give me more. Because they are delicious. They are nourishing. They they are satisfying. Because this is what Jesus is trying to do. When you begin to imitate my life and my work, you become the very fruit that I came to die for, that I came to give my life for. And in being this, you become nourishment to the whole world, to the whole earth. So you can climb your ladder. You can get your titles. You can try and seek people's approval. You can try and always make people happy. But all those things aren't going to produce the very fruit that God is asking from you. He wants you to abide in Him. He wants you to abide in Him. And that's why I say today, today is your opportunity to have the greatest influence. Don't wait for another day. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait till you get that promotion. Don't wait, get, don't wait till you get that title. Don't wait till you climb that ladder. Today is the day you choose to abide in him at a cost and with a blessing so you can produce this fruit. And this is what he's talking about. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. He says, If you are ready clean, ready clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You're ready clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Do you know this word has such, a, um, such an amazing power? Because when Jesus spoke it, when he spoke this word, all of a sudden people were being confronted with the kinds of things in their life that God wasn't pleased with and he was actually washing and cleansing them from the things in their life that weren't from God. And he says, you know what? My word has cleansed you. It's washed you. It's taken away the things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And so now you are in a position where you can choose to abide in me. You've been cleansed by my word. Come, I invite you, abide in me. You know, some people just love to hear the word of God because the word of God is, um, it is encouraging. It is, it is nice. It is pleasant. You can walk away from hearing God's word this morning and think to yourself, 
that was good. I liked that. It lifted me. It felt me, made me feel good. I'm going to make a few changes here. You can walk away feeling like that, but still not abide in him. Still not choose to make your abode in the Son of God. He says, you're cleansed because of my word. And the next verse, he invites them, come and abide in me. Come and abide in me. You see, you need the cleansing of the word of God that washes sin, that washes you from an old life, so you can come and abide in the Son of God. The washing of the word is really, really important. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, it says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? You can't mix the two together. When you're cleansed, you come and abide. If you don't want to be cleansed, you can't come and abide. Do you understand that? The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians, it says, What fellowship does righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? You can't mix the two together. You can't say, you know what, the word of God, yeah, I'll take some of it, and then I'll come and abide in Jesus. It doesn't work like that. I want this to cleanse me from the things I should not be doing. And Jesus says, come, I invite you now, come and abide in me. You can't have one with the other. Listen, you can't say, for example, on one day I'm going to lie, the next day I'm going to tell the truth. It doesn't work like that. Uh, I'm going I'm to, uh, you know, I like to gossip, but then I like to love as well. Uh, I, I like to curse people, but then I like to bless people as well. It doesn't work like that. The Bible says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? You can't mingle the two together. You choose one or the other. You live one or the other. He says, oh, your, my word has cleansed you. Come now and abide in me. Come now and dwell in me. Because when the word of God cleanses you, something amazing happens. You start to realize and understand that this is the truth of God. And as he cleanses you, he teaches you. And as he teaches you, guess what you do? You obey it. And when you obey it, you begin to experience what it means to dwell in the Word of God. And in dwelling in the Word of God, you are abiding. And when you abide, you bear these fruits. So when a person tries to live one foot in one camp and the other foot in the other camp, and they say they're abiding in Christ, they've got it wrong. Why would they expect to see fruits? Why would they expect to see an abundance of this real, genuine fruit that nourishes their soul and the souls of other people? Why would they experience the meaning and purpose that Jesus has called them to? Because they're still trying to live two lives. They're still trying to dabble in two camps. They're trying to say, you know, I'll do life my way, and I like Jesus too because it kind of makes me feel good. And Jesus doesn't work like that. You forsake one, for the other, or you know what, just stay in the one. And this is the word of God. It's calling us to abide in him and truly find the meaning, our existence, our purpose that, 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 that produces this kind of an abundance of fruit. Um, verse 4. He says, abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. So before we go to verse 4, let me, just, let me share with you one, one verse from, from 2 Timothy. The Bible says that, uh, 2 Timothy, the Bible says that God, all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. 
for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. I want to share with you something. When the Word of God, when we're face to face with God's Word, it reveals to us something about our lives and it cleanses us so that we can come and abide in Him and dwell in Him and bear this fruit. And in 2 Timothy, he says, You know what the Word of God is so powerful? You know why it's so powerful? Because it does four things. This is what it does it does four things for us. It tells us doctrine, it reproves us, it corrects us, and it instructs us in righteousness. It's wonderful. That becomes everything for us as we learn to dwell and abide in Christ. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're struggling with forgiveness. Now you find it hard to abide in Christ if you just don't want to forgive someone. It's very difficult to experience this if in your heart you think, no way in the world, you don't know what they did to me, I'm not going to forgive them. But the Word of God does something. It confronts us. It gives us first doctrine, teaching. It says, you know what? You have to forgive. You have to forgive. Because the teaching is, the teaching is, if you don't, you won't be forgiving yourself. Yeah? And then it begins to correct us or rather reprove us. And it reveals something about us that if you hold on to this, if you hold on to this, you're only going to go deeper and deeper into your bitterness and or your despair. Yeah? Doesn't it do that? It reproves us. It helps us to understand what it is and why it is so why it is so wrong. And then it starts to instruct us in righteousness. In other words, what it starts to do, it tells us this. You need to learn to forgive, to humble yourself, and to love this person because therein you will experience the freedom of God. It's wonderful. It gives us all these things that helps us to learn how to do away with the things that are keeping us away from Christ to learn how to abide in Him. Why would anyone neglect the Word of God? Why would we neglect it? Why would we call it, uh, why would we have a part-time relationship with it? Why would we have a Sunday relationship with it? And it's the very thing that continues to wash us, to cleanse us, and to help us to abide in God's word. He says, you know what? This becomes for us the power that cleanses and moves us, moves us into abiding in him. Okay, verse four. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. You know, as you abide in God's word, and you begin to experience what Jesus is saying here, that you can't bear fruit of itself, what starts to happen when you start to abide and you start to dwell and you start to trust and you start to obey, fruit that you didn't expect will start to flow, starts to emerge. Listen, before you used to think to yourself, I can't do this. Now you think to yourself, this is possible. Before when you think to yourself, I couldn't love, now you start to love more and greater than you ever loved before. 
Before, when you thought to yourself, you can't be patient, now you start to experience patience like you never experienced it before. Because now you are choosing to put the Word of God above all experience, all feelings, all preferences, so that you can live by it alone. This is the true vine. You don't take it upon yourself to do things your way. It's the way of the Lord. You don't go around and say, you know what? That person, they wronged me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show them how wrong that is that they wronged me and I'm going to give them the silent treatment. And I'm not going to talk to them. What does that achieve? Does that achieve anything? Does it produce the fruit of God? Does it produce the righteousness of God? Does it really bring the healing that God is asking us to bring in that person's life? Is it going to accomplish the fruit that Jesus desires for his people to show? Not at all. We don't go about doing things by preferences. We go about doing things by the Word of God. We align ourselves to the Word of God. No matter how much we think something is right. Yesterday I went to the CDM camp and I thought to myself, in my head, I thought to myself, I know where I'm going. I know which direction I'm going to go. And so I put my GPS on, just thought, just in case. And my first GPS on my phone said to me, you've got to go this way. And I thought I'm going to go that way. I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. Because I, I'm sure I was going to go this way, but it's telling me to go that way, right? I thought, oh, hang on. And I started having this conflict in my heart. What do I do? Do I go the way it's telling me? Or do I go the way I think that I should be going? I thought, no, I was determined to go the way I think I should, I should be going. And then I thought, better I better check. So I closed that GPS down. I opened up a different application. I thought I'd better open up another one now, just in case, yeah? So I opened up another one, and I'm away on this way, and this second one is saying, go that way. I thought, oh, no, now I've got to really consider this, because two of them are telling me to go this way, and, one of, and me, my mind, is telling me I should, go, I should go this way. What do you think I did? What would be the smartest thing to do? Do I go with my preference and what I think I should be doing, or do I go with what both are telling me I should be going? Of course I should. And I did, and of course made the right choice by choosing the path that it was telling me to go because it knows what it's talking about. Listen, you can go about doing life the way you want to do it. You can go thinking, this is my preference. This is the way I want to do it. This is why I think it's the better way. But at the end of the day, you're going to find yourself lost and lonely. Until you come back to the word of God that speaks quite clearly and boldly to us that this is how it should be done. If you can't forgive, forgive. If you can't love, love. If you've got hate in your heart, bring it before God. If you're an impatient person, come humble with yourself before the Lord. Come and bring these things before the Lord because this is what it means to abide. And when you abide, you bear the fruit that God wants you to bear. You say, but I can't do that. It's because you haven't, uh, you haven't chosen to come and abide with all your life. It's going to come at a cost. It's not always going to feel comfortable. I want it to go that way because that's where my head was telling me I should go. But if you like, the word of God was saying, they go this way. This is where the fruit is. This is where, I, if people live like this, I no longer expect that I would see things like manipulation in relationships, gossip among friends, bitterness that is, that is held for years. I expect all those things to be washed away by the Word of God because the Word is cleansing and as you abide, you don't return to these things. Do you understand? This is the fruit of Jesus. 
This is the character and the work of Jesus being shown in the life of his people. No wonder why the Father is most interested in this vine growing throughout the whole world so that the world is nourished by it. Do you understand? This is life. This is life. Not our choices that we make. I'll go this way, I'll go that way, I'll go this way. That way. And then we find ourselves, what are we offering people? In fact, maybe, dare I say, maybe we don't offer people much. We actually drain people. But this is the word of God that nourishes us, that we're able to become a great vine for the rest of the world. And then he says in verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. For without me you can do nothing. Do you want to do something for Jesus? Do you want to live in the power and the purpose that he has for you? Do you want to get up in the morning and say to yourself, I know why I'm living. Understand my existence. Do you, want to, do you want to go out interacting with people knowing that there is great nourishment you can bring them, purpose that you can introduce to them? Do you want to look back and think to yourself, wow, I lived life knowing the will of God. I lived life knowing the purpose of God. Do you want to get to the end of your life and think to yourself, I actually did what God wanted me to do, my creator. He says, this is what you've got to do. I'm the vine, he said, and you're the branches. You need to abide in me because without me, you can do nothing. So what does that say to me? That with him, we can do everything. You know how many people wrestle and they say, but what's the will of God? What's the will of God for my life? What's the purpose of God in my life? How do I know his will for me? Should I do this or should I do that? And people spend years wrestling this question. What's the will of God in my life? What's his will for me? And yet he makes it quite simple here. You want to know and experience the will of God for you? You now want to know and experience what it means to have purpose every day you wake up? You want to know what it means to look back and say, I did his will? He says, abide in me. Take the word, trust the word, live by the word, obey the word, and experience what it means to dwell in the word. And in dwelling in the word, you will produce this fruit. You know, Romans 12 verse 2 says that, uh, that we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How does our, how does our minds get renewed? We don't, our minds don't get renewed because we have boop, a thought come into our head. Our minds get renewed not because we go to some motivational seminar, Our minds don't get renewed because we've been enlightened by some amazing proverb. Our lives get renewed because they align themselves with the word of God. And interestingly, Romans says, in the book of Romans, it says that when you do that, you will prove, listen, you will prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. See that? Same thing. Align yourself to the word of God and what starts to flow out of your life? The will of God. What starts to show in your life? The will of God. People see your life and they see the will of God. People see your homes and they see the will of God. People see your marriages and they see the will of God. 
They see it because what they see is lives aligning themselves with the word of God, trusting the word of God, not trusting the opinions of man and living in the word of God. And I look back and I think to myself, well, this was the will of God. So, Jesus is calling his people to live in this kind of way. When someone does this, I don't expect them than to go off and be great at their gossip. I expect them to be great at their goodness. Not great at their cursing, but they are now going to be great at their blessing. Not great at their lying and how how good they can get out of something, but great in their righteousness. Not being proud of what they were, but rather proud of who they are today. So just wrapping up, verse 6. Verse 6, the Bible says, um, And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and it is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. All I'm going to say about this verse is this. Thank God Jesus gave us a warning as well. Thank God he didn't just sort of keep it nice and casual and without telling us the truth. And he says, you know, this is, this is the truth. He says, you know what? If you want to bring life, meaning, purposeful, nourishing fruit in your life and become and experience the will of God in your life, then you need to abide in me. You need to leave and forsake the old in order to come and be cleansed and abide in the word of God. He says, if you want that, fantastic. If you don't want that, then you and your works will perish. I thank God, because now he's giving me a choice. He's not saying to you, I'm going to hide it from you, and then you know, one, one day I'll tell you when you're up there. No. How, how wrong would that be of God to do that? Oh, but God, you didn't tell me. Oh, I thought you'd get upset if I told you. So thank God he tells us. He says to us, you know what? This is how you're going to experience the fruit and the will of God in your life. But you know what? If you don't want it and you don't want to be the vine or the branch attached to the vine, he says, that's fine. But you know, you've got to understand that you and your works will perish. So it's a warning. And then he says in verse 7, but if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Oh, that's just so much better than the previous verse, isn't it? I think I want to be this person who's abiding in Jesus because at the end of the day, he's promising us that if I do that, that he'll hear my prayer, he'll hear my prayer and he'll answer me. Now that is the relationship I want. I want to be able to come before him knowing I'm abiding in him, lifting up my heart, my eyes, my ears, and my my words to my father and saying, you know what? This is my desire. And him saying, you're abiding in me. You're my son. I understand. I'll give you what you desire. That's the relationship. That's why you become the most influential you can be. Not because you're up somewhere in some title, because you're here, lowly, humble, abiding in the word of God. And the humble, Jesus says, he lifts up. The humble are the most influential because they dwell in the word of God. They are broken and contrite before the word of God. They don't see themselves any greater, any better, any more intelligent than the word of God. They come and they humble themselves saying, Lord, if your word says it, I will do it because that therein becomes the fruit that God produces and an abundance of it. He keeps pruning and it grows even more. That many 
can now be nourished by it. And then finally, verse 8, he says, And by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. I don't know how to explain this, brothers and sisters. I don't know how to explain this, friends. But when you give your heart to Jesus and you dwell in the Word of God, something happens in your heart that you didn't expect would happen. I don't know how to explain it. It's supernatural. But something begins to happen. Your greatest desire in life no longer becomes about how people think of you, how much you can be applauded, glorified, exalted, praised. Something happens in you when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and you dwell in him. All of a sudden, your greatest desire in life is that he, the Father, is glorified. That people see him. That people come into a relationship with him. That people understand him. And what you want to do, quite seriously, what you want to do is you want to get out of the way so they see him. And this supernatural work that God does in our hearts, it's a miracle from God because we are all by nature selfish and self-centered who wants the praise and the applause of men. But something works in our hearts and Jesus says, you know what, when you do this, my Father is glorified and you'll be my disciples. And we think as disciples, yes, that's what we want. We want the Father to be glorified. So Lord, how do I do it? I come back very humbly and I dwell in you. I abide in you. And that, my friends, becomes your existence to live in. If you want this, Jesus invites you to this. He says, come and abide in me. Come, do away with how you thought life was and come and live and dwell in the word of God. Let my words dwell in you and you dwell in me. Trust me at my word. Let my word teach you. And as it teaches you, obey it. And as you obey it, you will dwell. And as you dwell, you abide. And because he invites us to come and do that. And in doing that, we produce a fruit. We become the fruit that spreads through the world and nourishes the souls of many. That, for me, becomes one of the most exciting reasons to live. In favor with and for our creator God. Amen. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I know that there are so many reasons why we get up each day to live life. I know we are racing and chasing uh, in so many things and for so many reasons. But I pray this morning, Lord, we can just stop and remember that our greatest reason and our greatest purpose and our greatest existence lies in the truth that we are called to abide in you. We are called to come face to face with who we are and to dwell faithfully in your word and your word in us. That we do away with trying to live life our way, but we put you first and surrender everything about us to you. And in doing this, we produce much fruit. We thank you, Lord God, that you have made this known to us. We thank you that we are aware your truth has come to us and as we race and fight and chase and 
long for things. I pray that we don't just burn out doing this, Lord, that we just come back and know the love of God and the truth of your word. So, Father, we pray you bless your people as they choose each day to abide in you. And they chase one thing, and that's you, Lord. And they love one thing above all things, and that's you, Lord. So bless your people, Father, and bless this week ahead of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Just keep your heads bowed. I've I've had on my heart to share this song for a couple of weeks, and um, praise God, it it really fits with the message of this morning, and it's it's just called, I'll build my life on you. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, a name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. There is no one like you, there is none beside you, open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build.
There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me and I will build my life upon your love is a, a firm foundation and, and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be Father, we just pray that we'd build our life on you, that we'd um, make sure that we're attached to the vine and that everything that we're building is on you and coming from you. Just help to keep leading us to the things of you, Lord, the things that need to be in our hearts and on our minds and that we would stay attached to you, Lord, building on you every day. We pray these things in your precious name, Lord. Amen.